Katie. I'm Erica. And this, and this is, is Book Talk. Hi, Katie. Hi, Erica. Welcome to Book Talk. Book Talk is a weekly podcast book club, and we read one book, usually over a month. This month, we are reading Cackle by Rachel Harrison, and we are in the third section of this book. So spoilers ahead for what happens in this section. So in this section, uh, we start with Annie coming out of her hallucinations when she was drinking the tea or maybe mushrooms that Sophie made her. Um, she goes back to work when she feels a little bit better and agrees against her better intuition to go on a blind date. More on that later. Um, back in the town, Oscar, the coffee guy, gives Annie an ominous warning as she's heading back to Sophie's. We've got some more foreshadowing that Sophie is not good. Um, Annie completely blows it off, and so does Sophie. So Annie, our brave and maybe dumb girl, um, is never deterred and stays at Sophie's again overnight, believing her that the ghosts are held captive. Um, after this, Annie goes back into the real world and goes on what might be the worst blind date I've ever read about um, and ends with more creepy things that seem to happen just as Annie wishes them. She goes back to Sophie uh, where she feels herself and most safe and she spends the holidays and two long happy weeks with Sophie um, and finds out that she might be what Sophie is and she starts to get a little bit comfy with these new kind of powers she's developing and of course we end this section per usual with a really creepy spider scene again and that's it for this week (laughs) there was a lot more plot in this section than in the first half of the book (laughs) I I was gonna not laugh but I couldn't yes there was so much more that happened really at least things are getting interesting now I did not expect last week we talked about what Sophie is getting out of this. I did not expect that it seems like maybe she's getting recruitment out of this. Like Annie is going to become a witch and this is like an MLM of witches. An MLM of witches. (laughs) I mean, I think I agree. I think maybe Sophie's getting a friend out of this. Maybe she's getting somebody who is alone and is like the right I don't know, right for the taking. And here she is. Annie is like, I don't know how Sophie turned her into a witch, which is very interesting. The spiders maybe. Um, but I do think that, yeah, maybe Sophie just wanted a friend. I mean, it is hard to make friends as an adult, I mean, let alone as a witch. I don't think Sophie wants to be friends with Annie. I think that she is just, this is all a ploy. I hate it when you ruin my happy ending. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, it could be true. I you think this is a ploy. I think... They, my sense is that Sophie or yeah, Sophie is recruiting Annie for some reason. She gets something out of it, but she's not the one who's turning her into a witch. It's like she's recruiting her for the darkness, for the spiders, for Mm. Lucifer. I don't know who's the puppet master in this world, but I think that's probably why she's doing it. And maybe she gets something out of it. Like if she recruits enough witches, then maybe she has less, you know, negative consequences to deal with. How do you think she turned – how do you think Annie is becoming a witch? Because she's doing these things where she doesn't realize really the power that she holds. Um, and we get, like, yet another disgusting food scene or people throwing things up scene, which I am, like – I don't really need more of those in my life, but fine, um, at the dinner. And she also kind of sees the writing she wants to see on the wall. Like, her her reassurances in her own head are are being, like, 
written to her exactly how she needs to hear them. So how do you think it's happening? Like, is Annie wanting this darkness? And so it's being given to her. Did she get bit by a spider? Did Sophie give her a spell? Like, what do you think is going on? It could be that Sophie is gradually exposing her to something. But in general, it seems like Sophie's advice is essentially just surrender to this. Like, this exists. This darkness or this path or this power exists. And all you have to do is sort of give up your inhibitions about it or your reservations and it's there for you to access so do you think that anyone could access it I think based on what we know at this time which is that it's Sophie Annie and Oscar's ex-wife or Oscar's wife who is now absconded so you believe believe this exact thing oh okay that's fair do you think that this exact thing is what happened to Helen Yes, and I think she is in another town or in another area where she is controlling that part of town for whomever. Oh, where she has her own domain. Yes. I love that when Annie starts to feel these powers, like the first thing she does to test them out, maybe not the first, but one of the first things she does is go to the coffee shop to the guy who warned her and like make a coffee cup float into her hand. And she's like, shit, that maybe was a mistake. I'm like, okay, girl, let's calm down. I need to immediately be... Doing magic tricks for people, but have you seen have you seen the movie Matilda? Yes, but so long ago. Oh my god! Like my dream would be to be able to move things around. That was I after I saw that movie, I would just sit there and stare at things like, come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> oh no! Move. <laughs> and did it work for you? Because you no. Move a pencil? Okay. At some point, you just like start hallucinating and things start moving. Like, or you did it move? I think it moved a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like one inch to the left. Was that black dot there? Okay, I feel like while we're talking about the plot, before we get into these like kind of overarching themes, um, because I think there was a lot of like good lessons in this section, I like need to process this disgusting double date that we went on. Like, I'm confused about so many things. This man did not want to be on a date. Number one, Jill, you're married to a douchebag. Number two, like, (laughs) what is going on? And Everything that this man was saying, I did like, um, I'm reading The Power right now as well, and I liked this kind of parallel to it where Dan is being such a horrible person to Annie, and then, you know, she just, like, wishes that he had all these bones in his mouth, and he, like, throws them up on the table. So I kind of like him getting what he deserves a little bit and her ability to kind of stand up for herself in that situation. Your face looks truly so confused right now. <laughs> to know what you're thinking I was confused by this double date because I I don't know if this like double date is supposed to be as horrible as she's experiencing it or she's just super sensitive because she's been surrounded by Sophie for so long who is completely deferential to her and obsessed with everything she does which is why I think she's a big old thinker and doesn't actually like Annie it's all just like an act like this is how normal people are they're like Tell tell me about yourself. Oh, New York is dirty and smelly. Everybody says that to you. Like, this is not an exceptionally weird thing, but she's so, like, adversarial to it and just totally antagonizes Dan, which, (laughs) been there many a time, antagonized sort of an alpha bro. Um, But that's why I was confused about this section. Were they really truly meant to be terrible, or is it that Annie is no longer able to function in, like, normal relationships now that she's in Sophie's web? I think maybe a little bit of both. I feel like, yes, she's 
She has literally no tolerance for anybody who's not just immediately like obsessed or fawning over her. I also feel like there's a little bit of her like maybe coming into herself a little bit where she never stood up for herself at all or asked what she wanted or stood up for what she liked or, you know, told people what she needed and then actually got it. Like she never did any of that. So there's a little bit of this Sophie being deferential to her that's beneficial to Annie in that now she is a little bit like, I don't have to put up with this shit from you. I don't have to let you talk to me like that. Um, I think it's, it is a little aggressive. Like she has no, no tolerance. So I think there could be like a happy medium where maybe you say a couple of sassy things, but you don't assume that everything this man is doing is out to get you. Um, and I mean, she never gives anything to anyone. People be like, hi, Annie, how's your day? And she's like, hi. I'm like, okay. Well, I mean, like you could also be nice. And so I think there's a little bit of her not wanting. And I think before I finish that thought, I think this happens to people when they're so used to people taking things from them constantly that they get to a point where they're no longer willing to give anything. Like there's, it's just like a full flip of the script and there has to be like a middle ground. Totally. Yeah. That makes sense. Poor Annie. I know. <laughs> Poor Annie. But she is Poor discovering her bones. power. It does Ugh. seem like she's communing or communicating with something, which makes me think there is like mm-hmm. an omnipresent character in this it's surprising how little religion is like crossing annie's mind at all right like if somebody was like oh there's witches in my mind they work for the devil god's on the other side there's angels like it's just funny how there's none of that is written into it but also none of it is crossing annie's mind at all like am i Mm -hmm. about to make a deal with the devil to conjure these powers yeah annie is (laughs) such an interesting like Earlier, I was like, our brave girl, like, our, she's, I'm like a little bit dumb. I feel like she's so naive. I'm like, you don't have any questioning thoughts in your brain ever. Like, things happen to her, and people who may be shady characters just like explain them away. And she's like, yeah, okay, perfect. She's so overly trusting of like anyone who's remotely nice to her or like, you know, accepting or loving towards her at all that she's just like I'll do whatever I'll believe anything that you say like when Oscar at the coffee shop who she has no alliance to is like people go to Sophie's and they don't come home Annie immediately runs to Sophie and is like Oscar said this about you is it true and of course Sophie's like fuck no it's not true because what (laughs) why would you why wouldn't you like take a minute see if it's true do some digging on your own like no she just immediately goes to the person who she sees loves her and is like Okay, whatever. This is a theory. Here we go, baby. Theory time, <laughs> which is like the um, a theory about power. It's like power dependence by like Emerson. This is a super old theory, but it's basically that in like in any social network and any relationship, there tends to be a power imbalance. And I think that's this is a perfect example of this where. Annie wants to be friends with Sophie so much more than Sophie wants to be friends with Annie and like she realizes like I'm the friend who's like looking to you to provide me guidance and shelter and food and excitement and support and love and because of that she will not question anything it's like Mm -hmm. oh we're going here oh we're doing this drug oh we're wearing these clothes yeah totally I know the quote about this from this section is it's astonishing what you'll accept when you want love when you need it you'll welcome it in any form from anyone and I like it's just it's so true and you see this in real life and in this fiction book like again when people 
need that and they have that hole and they want to be loved, but people want people to accept them, they will just, they'll take it. They'll believe what they say. They'll see what they want to see because they want that feeling of like safety and love. It's just like sad to watch Annie just like not question anything Sophie does, just blindly follow her. And Sophie is so manipulative about that. She knows it. It's also funny because Sophie is always preaching, like, you don't need a relationship. You don't need this from a man. You don't need this, da-da-da. Yet, like, she is the one providing all of this for Annie. Exactly. She's like, you don't need a man, girl. You just need me. Like, oh, wait a minute. I half expected them to kiss at midnight on New Year's Eve. Oh, same. I was a little – yeah, I totally thought they were going to kiss at midnight. I also feel like it's, you know, Sophie is – we know that she's got powers, and it's – she knows exactly what heartstrings to pull with Annie. She knows exactly what she wants to hear. Um, you know, she does the thing where she kisses her on both cheeks like Annie's mom did. And it, like, brings back this memory. And Sophie, like, winks at her because she knows exactly what she's doing. Yeah, uh, exactly. That's why I know she's full of shit. <laughs> I do really like how Rachel Harrison in this book, though, is taking these lessons that I think we all need to think about and learn in our, you know, real life. Like, how to have standards on what you'll accept when you want love, blah, 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 lots of other lessons and putting them in this like extremely fictional world that makes it easier to see how obvious they are. Yeah, exactly. It's exaggerated for, um, for a reason. And also talking about how this can happen in a friendship, I think is really interesting because we've read so mm-hmm. many books about a dysfunctional relationship between usually a uh, heterosexual couple, but in this book, we're now seeing how even friendships can be predatory and can be perverse. I feel like it reminds me of like high school friendships or like when you're younger and you're like, yeah, just trying to be included. And so you'll like do whatever or say whatever to like be on the side you think you should be on because you want to be accepted. Oh, so true. One other section of this is when Nadia texts Annie um, about their night meeting the psychic. And Annie is kind of thinking about, again, how the psychic said that she would experience darkness. Um, I really like Sophie's take on what fate is and how it can trick us into being complacent because we think that we don't have any control. Uh, what did you think of this section or of that sentiment? Okay, the exact quote is, fate is just another invention to trick us into complacency in action. If one assumes that they cannot change their circumstances, they won't try. When you think about it, really, there's a myriad of ways we're conditioned to passivity, women especially. Of course, I realize this all. I realized all of this a long, long time ago. It saved me. It could have just as easily drowned me. Well, okay. There's two ways to interpret that section. The one way, which is thinking of Sophie as the worst, is that Sophie knows the darkness that she's seeing is the darkness that Annie is descending into with this exploration of her powers and potentially becoming a witch. So that's one way where she's just like obscuring what the psychic actually said, which Sophie knows perfectly well what it meant. The other way to look at it is what I like, which is more the like everything happens for a reason. Everything is predetermined. And Sophie's saying like essentially that just is a lie that we tell ourselves to sort of like get through. And that's a lie that's been used to tell people to get through whatever they're going through without asking for something better. I loved that it saved me. It could have just as easily drowned me because so many things like that. You're like, this could be the thing that sets you free or the thing that's your biggest downfall. Um, But I do think that that can be true. I think it can be the idea of fate or that everything happens for a reason can be really comforting 
to feel like you're a part of something bigger and that not that you don't have control, but that you can take a breath for a minute because you don't have all the control. You don't have to make all the decisions. Um, and so I think it can be very comforting in that, but I think it can also be, yeah, like why try? It's already decided for me that this is what, this is all I was supposed to get out of life. There's no way I can change it. So I think it can be used either way, but I think obviously Sophie wants this to work out for her. And on the other side, it's like the, if nothing matters, there is no fate. It's all about you making choices and living with those choices. That is empowering on the one hand because you're like, oh, okay, so the power is with me to make choices, to craft the life I want to live. But then you have to live with that. And that is a lot right. of responsibility. And it's, so both sides are are a challenge. There's yeah. a great quote that I think I read or maybe saw in a show. But the quote is, I should be loyal to the nightmare of my choice. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Which is, this is also, I love choice and talking about choice because it's what Sheena Iyengar, my advisor, studies. She is the choice um, psychology and economics person. Um, But that's also true. It's like the weight of our choices. It's not always beneficial to have to choose. And sometimes that can be a burden to have to live with your choices and know you made the choice to be where you are. Exactly. It could have just as easily drowned me. Oh, I know. I was like, oh, I love that. Um, But yeah, I think that... So those are two like big themes and kind of epiphanies that our characters are having in this section. The last one that I think it might be a good thing for Annie that she's learning from Sophie, which like I'm kind of loving reading about in this weird week between Christmas and New Year's. It's like taking time to like be present, to take care of herself. I feel like in the new year, it's always like, what are the things I can do more? What are the resolutions? How am I going to be better and more and faster and stronger? Whatever it is. Like, I feel like, Annie's moment is figuring out how to like take care of herself, how to like cook herself a meal because she deserves it and because she can, not just because not eating just a protein shake to like eat to live or whatever, but like actually taking this time to be present. And I feel like I love this, the fake idea of Sophie, that comfort she's creating of that, like baking a pie from scratch together and then opening another bottle of wine and building a fire. Like everything she creates is this like coziness that Annie wants. But I think, Part of her is learning how to kind of like be present and show up for herself, which is kind of sweet to see. Okay, well, that is it for this week's section of Cackle. So next week we are finishing the book. I just want to really quickly just like give an honorable mention to this BFF spider Ralph, who's like who we're tucking into bed and dressing up and who belly laughs. That's it. And gets drunk. Honorable mention to Ralph. The cutest spider pet ever. Okay, I'm done now. I've got all my thoughts out. (laughs) Okay, well, next week we're finishing the book. Yay! I can't wait. I'm going to finish it right now. I know. And we're going to be joined by a special guest. We are. Who is? I don't know. Oh, my God, Rachel Harrison. (laughs) I'm losing my mind today. We will be joined by the author of this book, Rachel Harrison. We are so excited to talk to her. I can't wait to hear how she came up with this crazy story. And I I loved reading it. So I'm so excited to talk to her. I can't wait. It's going to be great. Also, on the third week, as we get towards the end of our book club book, we announce our next book club book so that you have plenty of time to get your copy before we start reading. So our next book is going to be 
the wow, <laughs> the perfect ruin by Shanora Williams. This is a thrilling new novel of lies, deception, and revenge, a theme we're on lately. Um, the glamour of Miami has a dark side in this twisting story where nothing is what it seems as one wronged woman seeks to destroy the seemingly perfect life of one of the city's most revered socialites. Dun, dun, dun. I just, I love a book set in Miami or in Florida. I think there's something about like the heat and the swampiness. And this book seems like it's going to be in like the social world of Miami. I just, I love it. I'm so excited. I love a book set in like a high class glamour socialite society that's like a little bit dark. I'm into it. I can't wait. Yay. So get <laughs> Yay. your book. Oh, get your book. again, I always have the links. I don't know. It works on some platforms and not on others. So hard to say. But I usually have the links to our bookshop page and to all the books that we talk about on the pod and all the books that we're reading in the show notes. So check there for a link to buy this book from bookshop.org, which helps support local bookstores or get the book from one of your local bookstores. Yes. Yay. I just read the uh, quote on the front of this book, Cackle. Sorry. It says, it's good to be wicked. I didn't read that before. I love it. I love it. It feels good to be bad. Hello. Are you a human this week? How are your holidays? How are you feeling? Oh, well, COVID ruined my vacation, but you know, it is (laughs) what it is. Um, I don't have COVID, but everybody in my family has COVID. So Mm -hmm. same. Light and love, hoping that they're feeling better. They're getting better. They're rounding the corner. The early yeah. ones, which is my little sister, I seemed like she was the first one to get it. She's already starting to feel better. So yeah, yeah, I think people are in my family as well, starting to feel better on the upswing. <laughs> so, please well. go get vaccinated and boosted because COVID mm-hmm. is coming. At least in our family, everybody who got boosted didn't get it. Oh, Wild. nice. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I mean, or um, had no symptoms. I have been in sort of a reading-ish slump because I honestly have so many books that are on my TBR that I am kind of overwhelmed and I keep like picking up a book and then sort of putting it back down. Mm -hmm. Same. I'm halfway into a lot of them. I also have – we've also been sick and pre-being sick, December was an insane busy month and I feel like I was running like a mad person from thing to thing. All of this to say that I've been taking melatonin to sleep because I like need to get the sleep and not sleeping. So I'm having some wild dreams, and so I can't read the power before bed because I have just like gro- like creepy dreams. Yeah. Like it's just I'm not here for it. So I'm reading that, but I had to start another book, uh, and I started another one of T.J. Klune's books, The House in the Cerulean Sea, author. Because I was like, I need something like fantastical, and so I started Under the Whispering Door. We'll see. Um, obviously I'm also reading cackle. So my brain is like a little confused, but I feel like I'm going to finish three books this first week. (laughs) I don't think we've actually talked about me finishing house in the Cerulean Sea. We haven't, but I did did finish that. That was my last book of 2022, 2021, whatever. Oh yeah. What is time? (laughs) Yeah. You need to tell us about house in the Cerulean Sea. And I feel like you read one other one since we last talked. I didn't. I promise I didn't. What was the last one you read before that? Otessa. 
Okay, you were about to finish that, but you hadn't finished my it. My queen. I fucking Because you were like, it. I already know this is my favorite book, so, but you hadn't it finished was. it. I mean, it, it was. wasn't my number one, but it was up there. Okay, great. Um, so what did you think yeah, of House so- in the Cerulean Sea? House of the Cerulean Sea was really cute. It was really sweet. I, it took a while to get going. So you said that you had read like the first half on a plane. I just feel like they could have cut a lot of the setup in the beginning, but whatever. Once he gets to the house where the kids are, then things just like take off and it is like so touching and sweet. And there's a, a lot of great themes. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was a cute book. It's cute. It was like not a good- one I ever would have picked up. So Same. I'm glad to have been recommended it. I totally agree. I would have never picked it up. I think it's a book uh, I thought it was very touching and sweet as well. And when I've seen it recommended to people, it's for um, like what both people who recommended it to me said someone gave it to them when they were in a reading slump and was like, this is like touching and happy. And we'll, once you get into it, you'll like want to finish it. It's an easy read. Like you'll be happy while reading it. It's, you know, it kind of can get you back into the swing of it. And I think it will be good for that. Like it will be good if you're in a reading slump because it's, it's just sweet and happy. And like, I mean, at times I think it's got some emotions in it, but I liked it a lot. Yeah. How are you liking the power? I'm liking a lot. I did finish two books since we last. Oh, okay. So give us all of it. Okay. I read Love Hypothesis and finished it, uh, which is like a super buzzy rom-com right now. I loved it. I will say that is, it is definitely the steamiest rom-com I read this year. I was like, oh my God, I don't know who I can recommend this to knowing that they'll read these scenes, but you know, okay. Um, I think it would be a little too close to home for you, but I also do want you to read it because I want to know if it's true. But I also Although feel like it's, it is it's a PhD student. Yeah, but she's in STEM. And so I do feel like it is a little bit di- like a little bit different because of like the type of experience experiment she's running and like maybe the maybe the atmosphere is different in different PhD programs. I mean, I'm making a full set of assumptions here because I don't know, but I would assume what's it's her, different. What is it? Like what is she in biomedical or like what's the Yeah, she's in she's in biomedical early cancer research. Okay. So I feel like Maybe a little bit different. I don't know if it's different across the board if you're in different specialties. But, um, yeah, I mean, she does also, like, fall in love with her professor who – which is on the back of the book and has the same name as one of yours. So I do feel like <laughs> maybe a little too close to home for you. But um, the story in it, it was good. It was cute. If you need, like, a buzzy rom-com, definitely do it. It was it was really good. And then um, I read Lady Glen Connor, which is just fully off. Oh, yeah. You talked about that. um, Out of left field. You talked about that last week that you were starting it, but not that you had finished it. Yeah, I finished it. Um, It was good. It was slow in the beginning. I did the first like 100 pages. I was like, oh, okay. I don't actually care about any of this. Um, But then she gets married to an insane person and shit gets interesting. Like people are buying pet elephants. They're buying islands. They are spontaneous trying to hire a hitman at one point. We've got royal weddings. And it's like a true, it's like her memoir. It's a true story. It's And you can like look up pictures of the things that are happening and they're there. Wow. It's kind of crazy. So I feel like it was once it got halfway through, I was like, this person's life is wild. It just like truly is extraordinary. So it was good. Okay, and now now you're reading The Power, which you're liking. Okay, yes, I'm liking The Power. I'm not super far into it. Um, probably like 20% done maybe. Um, but I'm liking it so far. I love the – it's giving me a little bit of outlawed vibes in the beginning. Um, but like with them going yeah. into the kind of the women supporting women and going into the covenant or whatever. Um, convent? What did I just say? The convent. <laughs> um, 
but I'm liking it. I love the power being given to these to these young girls. So we'll see what happens from there. See, I'm reading that, Cackle, and Under the Whispering Door at the current moment. Maybe I'll finish one. I don't know. <laughs> well, you'll definitely finish Cackle. That's true. I will. So as you all know, I now am obsessed with Otessa Moshfag, who wrote My Year of Rest and Relaxation after reading it. So after reading it, I listened to like eight interviews of her and immediately read I'm trying to read all the books that she read. So she recommended this book called Alice, which is actual letters. I mean, there's debate whether this is authentic or not, but letters of a prostitute who was in San Francisco around like the gold rush times. So it's like the craziness of the city, but also the situation that led to her having to be a prostitute. And then this crackdown is happening like legislating sex work in San Francisco. And so it's sort of like the pushback against that. Like you force us into this trade and now what are we going to do? Like we're here. Where are we supposed to go? And it's the story of this woman, Alice, who maybe is real, maybe isn't real. And what led her to prostitution and her life that she created in San Francisco. It's really good so far. So I just finished the first part. I think there's four parts. Yeah. So I'm reading that. I'm also reading a Tessa's other book, Death in Her Hands, which follows an elderly woman who's sort of like living in seclusion and finds this like cryptic note on one of her walks and is now just sort of like obsessively spiraling about it and it's good but it's a little like her her quote about this book is that when you're alone even little things take on like a life of their own so like every small thing that happens has like a lot of meaning if you're in solitude and that's definitely the case but it's definitely uh it's like unnerving like she's clearly like this woman is totally spiraling and mm-hmm. you're spiraling with her <laughs> yeah I mean okay Interesting. not my favorite so far but it's like mine's have milk excited to see vibes. where it goes I'm like I don't want to be in this with you this I'm not I don't want to be here well, it seems really stressful <laughs> for yeah. everyone involved but yeah and then I got a bunch of books for Christmas so I'm just like looking at my scary stack of books I know I'm going to start putting my TBR pile in a different pile than the rest of mine. So I feel motivated to read them instead of buying a new book once we move. That being said, I am about to buy a new book. <laughs> that being said, my pile wasn't big enough. What are you going to buy? Um, I just heard an interview with Ashley Ford who wrote the memoir, Somebody's Daughter. And mm-hmm. it was so yeah. such an amazing interview. I'll put the link in the show notes. Um, but I have not read Somebody's Daughter. I've heard a lot of other people talking about it. I'm not the biggest memoir fan. Mm-hmm. I know you are. So maybe I'll get it and read it before I come to Columbus and then give it to you. Oh, I love there. that. Great idea. Yay. I'll give you the love hypothesis in return. Perfect. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, see you next week. Okay. Bye. Book Talk is made by me, Erica Bailey, and Katie Cheney, with production support from Dan White. Our theme music is by Dan White. We'll see you next week. Okay, let I thought another um let me do that again. I was gonna say another interesting part. I hate myself. <laughs>